0: I referenced it earlier and, uh, and you of course referenced it, but let's talk about, let's talk about what you have called the greater Boston track club cross country debacle. This was September of 2019, right? So you had been dealing with this chronic hamstring issue for what, uh, three years or so, two or three years by that point.
1: It had been about three years. uh... Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what, (laughs) so what happened, Um, on that, uh, on that September day, uh, at the greater Boston track club cross country race.
1: And I have to preface this by saying it's still one of my favorite races and I've since gone back.
0: (laughs) totally fair. Yes. And I, and I, 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 and I, I I, I do not want to cast aspersions (laughs) on the greater Boston track club cross country race. Um,
1: Excellent race. Um, so I, I tore my hamstring and I felt it, um, about a mile in it just all of a sudden there was like there was no more connection between my lower limb i just i couldn't feel anything on that right side and i didn't feel any pain i just felt like everything just ripped and
0: and did you I'm sorry did did you did you hear a pop or did you feel a pop
1: i heard and felt and i and i said well maybe it's just i don't even know what i was rationalizing i said well i'm running for the team just trying to get to the finish line So I I got to the finish line, but I couldn't drive it. It was just no function left in that leg anymore.
0: Hello, podcast listener. This is your first time here. Welcome to the Eat Half Walk Double podcast coming to you from the Ascend Endurance Coaching Studios here in beautiful Stratford, New Hampshire, U.S. of A. I'm your host, Chris Dunn. If you follow the show, thank you very much, and welcome back. So this show chronicles my four decades in endurance sports. As an exercise physiologist, coach, race director, and athlete, told through the stories of the important, influential, and interesting people I've met along the way. While I catch up with friends, colleagues, rivals, clients, and the occasional family member, it's my hope you'll learn a little something about health, fitness, and the secrets to living well along the way. Kara Haas joins the show. Recently, she took the reins of the New England-based All-Terrain Runner Series. This fun, competitive series challenges runners on five different surfaces. Track, trail, road, mountain, and cross-country. It's a great opportunity to try something new and experience an entirely new community of people. We discuss each event in the series. Kara, of course, is no stranger to the sport of running. In fact, she's dedicated her entire adult life to it. Several years ago, a devastating hamstring injury almost took the sport away from her. How she worked her way back and the lessons she learned along the way is an important story. Well, here she is, Kara Haas. Kara, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me, Chris. So happy to be here.
0: Uh, I'm happy to have you here. I'm happy to have you here, you here too. How, how are you?
1: I am doing well, enjoying the little bit of snow we're getting. So happy to be in New England right now, as I know you for are. For sure.
0: For sure. Yes. Yes, I am. Um, of course, the, you know, the, the, the thing about living in New England is that um, it's oftentimes feast or famine uh, in the winter time, right? So we're those of us that in, enjoy outdoor recreation. Uh, uh, we, we eagerly anticipate the snow. Um, and then, uh, sometimes we just get too much snow, uh, which is kind of what happened to us here in New Hampshire. Uh, when, when I say too much snow, I mean, um, for those of us that like to snowshoe, and I know that you enjoy snowshoeing, uh, I have a fat bike that I like to ride. And, and I also like to sort of slide around on my skis, Um, sometimes you need to beat down a track in order to, uh, to fully enjoy those winter sports. Uh, and it can be a little challenging sometimes when you have a foot of unbroken snow that you have to work your way through. So sometimes I would prefer winter to kind of sort of slowly get along. Um, but that's not kind of how she did it just recently. Um, you must've got, you guys got a maybe a little bit less snow where, where you're at. You're so for the listener, you, where you live is just a little bit South of where I am in New Hampshire. How much snow did you guys get out of the last storm?
1: Um, About four inches. So just enough to get the snowshoes out.
0: Gotcha. Great. Uh, Yeah. Gotcha. So just, uh, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 miles North. And uh, uh, we got a foot of snow here plus. So um, just a little bit more of a challenge to work around. Um, So so recently, uh, you competed at the, at the track at New Balance in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, running the indoor mile in five minutes and 38 seconds. It, it was your first track race post-hamstring surgery and your fastest mile in six years. In a social media post following the race, you use the hashtag, once a runner. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have an idea of what that hashtag um, might have meant to you a couple of years ago, but what does that hashtag mean to you now?
1: It, I would, for me, it's kind of a little memory, and it still harkens me back to the obsession that I've had lifelong with Quentin Cassidy and the cult classic book Once a Runner. Are you familiar?
0: Um, well, uh, <laughs> funny that funny that you ask because. Um, Uh, What the listener what the listener can't see is uh, I'm holding up a video for her to see and in uh, or I'm holding up a book and the book that I'm holding up is uh, John L. Parker Jr.'s Once a Runner, the cult classic uh, book uh, novel uh, about running. So interestingly enough, I was going to ask you the same question if you had read the book. So obviously you have read the book.
1: I actually have a signed copy from John L. Parker and it was probably the first running book I read. Um, Ed Sheehan gave me a copy, my old coach. And I just, i it's my favorite. I'll, I've read it at least probably... 30 times, too many times to count.
0: Okay. Um, well, that's, that, that is quite ironic. And I did not know that in advance because that was not one of my pre-show interview questions. Um, so that's really funny because the <laughs> next thing that I wanted to share with you is this, and I want to get your take on this. Um, so in the book, Parker writes this, and you, you you likely are familiar with this little passage in the book. Um, Cassidy's heart tried to leap out through his taut skin and hop into his wet hands, but outwardly it was all very calm, very serene, just as always, and it seemed to last a tiny forever, just like that, a snapshot of them all on the curved parabola of a starting line, eight giant hearts attached to eight pairs of bellows-like lungs, mounted on eight pairs of supercharged stilts. They were poised on the edge of some howling vortex they had run 10,000 miles to get to. Now they had to run one more. Kara, <laughs> what what goes through your head as you stand on the starting line of a mile track race?
1: Um, especially the older I get, I have more of a, a calm confidence that I didn't have when I was younger. So I feel like that would fit me more now that I've done so many of these and i feel like I've, I've done pen relays i've kind of been on bigger stages and i think now it's i look at children who could children next to me who could be my grandchildren who are on the starting line next to me so it's more of a, a calmness and it's interesting that you bring that up i have an opportunity to race at the new balance indoor grand prix in two weeks which i know there'll be you know the, a bunch of olympians there and i'm running the exhibition master's mile but i think that's i'm already getting anxious about it but i'm hopefully on the surface of common ready. And so I could definitely relate to that quote.
0: Yeah. Well, well, I mean, I always think as it relates to performance that, um, um, ang- anxiety is, is not necessarily a negative emotion, right? I mean, it's a, um, uh, it, it might all, it might otherwise be described as arousal and arousal is really important from a performance standpoint, particularly in endurance sport, uh, Uh, standpoint. Um, well, I I sort of asked, um, you know, I, I asked that, that general question about what goes through your, your head as you, as you stand on the starting line of a mile track race, but, 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 but more specifically, like, um, you know, just a few weeks ago at the track at New Balance, um, you know, this, this was your, this was your first track race back after hamstring surgery. You, did you still have that sort of calm demeanor or, um, I mean, was there any, was there any pre-race jitters? Because, um, I mean, obviously you'd done this stuff in the past, but this was the first time that you were going to run hard and fast in a race since hamstring surgery.
1: It took a long time to get back to that point where I was comfortable enough and confident enough in my the strength of my legs and my hamstring that I would not get injured. And we can talk more about that later, but that's kind of been kind of my new mantra post-50 is you have to, from strength comes speed, you have to be strong. Uh, these things.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, Well, for the for the listener who doesn't know uh, Kara Haas, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Um, So I am Kara Haas. I am an aging non rock star trying to kind of navigate the struggles and rewards of I used to call myself a master, but now I guess a senior um, balancing, you know, just life in general, working full time. I have two young children, eight and 11, um, coach basketball. So just kind of trying to get a little taste of everything in life and balance it all while mm. still remaining somewhat competitive.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> you're, you're very modest. You are, you're more than just a little bit competitive, um, still, um, uh, at, uh, you know, now that you are, uh, just north of 50. Well, thank you for that, for that introduction. Um, and I and I and I do want to get into uh, in, into more of your running and um, uh, and some of the struggles that you've had physically um, and how you've been how you were able to deal with them and overcome them. But um, but let's um, let's share with the listener um, how you and I um, came to know each other. Um, now, I, as I was sort of thinking about, it, and then it's always an interesting exercise for me when I have a guest on to um, to try to. Remember and recollect, um, you know h- how I came to know um, uh, these these amazing people that, like yourself, that I get get to have on my show. Um, and while I might not necessarily always specifically remember the moment um, that we were introduced, um, I have a general sense of the community through which I probably came to know you. And I'm gonna guess, and 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 you'll correct me if if I'm wrong, but I'm gonna guess that. Um, that it was the New England mountain running community that uh, likely was the conduit uh, through which you and I came to know each other. Is that your recollection?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think specifically Loon um, was the first time that I met you and I kind of held you on a pedestal too as this mountain guru and kind of also a little bit diabolical because you love these crazy technical trail races. So that's... (laughs) <laughs> that was, that's my recollection of meeting you. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> well, in this particular case, um, uh, I'm going to take diabolical as a compliment. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Absolutely, in the best way possible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, very, very fond memories um, of, of Loon um, and, uh, and watching you race there. Um, I'm, I'm sure that we probably crossed paths as um, participants in the event before uh, Paul Kirsch uh, uh, brought me into the fold uh, as a co-owner and race director at loon so um, so we, we we likely were racing at the same events probably long before we uh, we actually uh, had an opportunity to meet through the through the Loon Mountain Race. Um, the, Loon, the Loon Mountain Race is somewhat of a beloved uh, mountain race for you. Would you say that's fair to say?
1: Oh, it's my first mountain race. Um, so my husband grew up in New Hampshire, so we spend a lot of time up there. His parents had a place at Loon Mountain, so that was the first place I ever skied. So that's kind of, when I think of New Hampshire and kind of my inroads into mountain running and it, husband's family as well i think of loon mountain and i i love that race i love that whole experience it's i I remember doing it the first year and there was under 100 people there and it's just the mountain running community too it's just it's a whole different breed and they're just wonderful kind heartfelt people who are just there to support each other so i'm so happy to be part of that
0: Mm. um yeah and there's you know there, there there is a little bit of overlap obviously um, between the, uh, the, the mountain running community and the trail running community. Those two communities are really very similar. Um, what's, what's fairly dissimilar uh, to the mountain and trail running community is the road running community. However, um, uh, it, it, dissimilar meaning they're, they're generally different groups of people. However, um, you're a really good example. Uh, and there are, there are others, obviously, but you're a really good example of someone that crosses over. Uh, Between on-road and off-road stuff, and we're going to talk a little bit more about all the different surfaces that uh, that you that you that you train on and race on. uh, And we're going to talk about some opportunities uh, for uh, New England runners uh, to to maybe get engaged in a new surface of racing a little bit later on. Um, So. Tell me, that I am, tell me that I am not misremembering this, but it seems to me um, that I remember you posting um, one winter. Um, you, po- you had posted on social media. I think it was a photo from the top of, if it wasn't the top of North Peak, uh, it was uh, up near the gondola. I'm not quite sure. Uh, anyway, it was somewhere uh, at the Loon Mountain Resort. And it was winter time, and you had snowshoed uh, to the top of the mountain. Am I am I misremembering that, or d- did that yeah. actually happen?
1: Yes, and I didn't get caught, so I guess.
0: <laughs> okay, now well, now I, I think I think the statute of limitations has probably run out on that infraction. <laughs> so do you, do you want to do you care to tell that that story of how you snowshoed to the summit of Loon Mountain uh, that one winter?
1: It, that was when, so I was training for Squaw Valley, I think it was 2004, that was where the Nationals were held that year, and there was really no uphilling at that point in time in New England, there, that was kind of a new, snowshoeing was a new concept, and uphilling, you just didn't hear of it, there wasn't skinning, um, fortunately there is now, so I just thought, I am just going to do it, and worst case, someone yells at me, and then if they yell at me, I, and ask me to leave the mountain, of course I will, I'll leave the mountain, but nobody did, They, and you know, at the top, the, the man at who was working in the gondola at the time was so polite. So would you like a ride back down? I said, I'd love a ride back down. So it worked out great.
0: <laughs> um, well, that's, that's a funny story because, um, and, and it's sort of, and, and, and while that was uh, that, well, it sounds like that was many years ago um, that sort of friendly demeanor uh, I think, I think, still characterizes the staff, uh, at Loon Mountain Resort. They are just some of the friendliest people, uh, that I've ever met, um, uh, in, in, in that, uh, in that line of work. Um, uh, well, that's, that's super, that's super, super fun. Um, so, um, well, let's, let's, let's talk about your, let's talk about your running. Um, and, uh, I'm interested to, to hear a little bit about, um, how it has evolved. You, you mentioned that you are 52. Yes. Yes. 52 years, 52 years young. Um, and you've been running since you were 18. Yes. Yes. Um, but you didn't start out as a runner. Well, you, you, you were running probably as a, as a consequence of participating in other team sports. Uh, but you really started as a youth in, in team sports. Is that true?
1: Yes, I think um, and we touched upon, I know that you have a, a parent who was involved in coaching as well. And I I really kind of credit that with my interest in athletics. Um, my father was the basketball coach and heir forever. Um, so my brother and I grew up as gym rats. We were the ball boy, ball girl for my dad. So since I was two years old, I was going to the gym. Um, what's really interesting about AIR too was it's, it was primarily a military base at the time with Fort Devens. So he the athletes that he was working with really came with some amazing values. And I I also learned a lot about discipline and values from his players and from my dad as well. But they would come over every weekend for dinner. They would have dinner at our house. My dad would run basketball camps in the summer. So what I really learned was that I just fell in love with the concept of athletics. How being an athlete kind of transcends yourself. So the concept of where the team athletes take care of each other, they build each other up. It it really shaped how I viewed all of my relationships. How important it was. Um, kind of the the you sweat together, tears, triumphs. Those bonds are just the strongest bonds you have. And I, I just fell in love with athletics in general, basketball in particular. I, um, in high school, I played basketball, field hockey and softball, I played basketball for a year in college and realized I was just way too small. It was just getting I, I, I just wasn't I didn't have the ability or the size to compete at a D2 level. And um, my friend at the time said, why don't you just try out for the cross country team? You know, they don't make any cuts. So, oh, OK, sounds like fun. I, I run anyway. So that was kind of how I transitioned into running at the time.
0: Hmm. Um, yes, um, we, 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 do share that in common that, um, uh, our dads, uh, uh, were coaches and, um, um, sounds, sounds like to me that, that he, um, that he was a very strong influence in your life, particularly as it relates to athletics and sport. Uh, and of course my dad, very, very much the same way. Um, you also mentioned something to, uh, to me earlier that, um, uh that that brought back some n- nostalgia for me too you you had you you'd sort of referred to, uh or or referenced something related to um to the smell uh or or certain smells um uh you know from that time in your life bringing back a very strong sense of nostalgia um and i can um i i can certainly relate to that too as a i mean my dad uh, was a football coach and i was you know I was tagging along to football practice uh, you know when I was very, very little, and uh you know hanging out in locker rooms and and messing around and then and then of course you know heading out on the practice field and uh, to this day and, and I wonder if this resonates with you maybe in a little different way, but to to this day for me um, when i when I smell freshly mowed grass in the summertime, I mean it instantly brings me back to you know, to, to the, the football practice field uh, in the summertime, uh, right after the field had been mowed. Like it, it, it's a very, very strong sense of nostalgia. Do you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Does that resonate with you?
1: I walk into a gym and I just, oh, breathe it in. I, I coach basketball now and I'll just say to the girls, breathe it in. Don't you love this smell? It, it takes me back. And it's just, there's a locker room too, that dirty sock smell, whatever it is, it just takes me back. I love it. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> uh, you, you,
0: are you're, you're a mom of girls. Um, and so maybe, um, <laughs> maybe it's not the same. Um, but, uh, as a, as a dad with at least one son, um, a, a sweaty sock smell around the house is a little bit different sort of nostalgia. Um, then, and, and my girl's you know, I, because they do listen to the show that they, uh, their feet did not stink, but my, my son's feet did stink. And that was a totally different kind of smell and and different sort of nostalgia. Um, so, um, uh, so you, um, so you, you, you ran on the cross country team and this was at St. A's St. St. Anselm's
1: correctly in Manchester, New Hampshire. So New Hampshire connection.
0: Yep. So you, so you, you, you ran cross country at, at St. A's, um, was eighteen? Was that? Geez, did you did you run all? Did you run three out of the four years? Is my did, is yes. my math right? Yeah. Okay. Um. And and um. Did you have any measure of success during that period of time?
1: Um. I was all American there, so I. I
0: <laughs> okay. I so
1: I didn't know any yep. better. I didn't know any. Different. I had a wonderful coach, Joe Neal, who. Um, I think really knew that he had to rein me in a little bit. He kind of had this basketball player who would go to the extreme and work out six times a day if was allowed to. So he was really good at kind of reeling me in and saying, okay, we're going to focus. We're going to cut back a little bit on what you're doing. Um, And I credit any success I had there to him. He was just a wonderful coach. We were any 10 champs too. So I ended up by one any 10 um, made nationals and all Americans with, by senior year. So it got me hooked. That's for sure.
0: Mm. Um, So then, so then you, you graduate from, from St. A's um, uh, and, and you continue to run. Yes. Um, How did you, uh, did, did you, did you continue to scratch that competitive itch uh, uh, after, after college when, you know, in your, uh, in your twenties and thirties, or did you move away from racing? What, what did your running look like in your twenties and thirties? So
1: I think directly out of college was when I really, really got involved and really wanted to pursue it further. I was running for the BAA with Ed Sheehan, who, again, just another, he passed away, but just another amazing coach. And running kind of became my entire world at that time. I really wanted to try and make the Olympic trials in the 5,000. So I worked hard with Ed and he took me to places like Penn Relays to attempt to do that. And then at the within that year too, I got a job at Saucony. So I was working for Saucony at, in a running capacity as well. I, I ran, I guess, it's, I don't know if they called it professionally. I think it was just because I was working for them. They were kind enough to send me to some cool places. Like I got to run in the world corporate championships, um, became friends with people like Lorna Kipligat from Kenya. So that really kind of in my twenties really shaped my world at that time. And it was just all about running, which I was young, I was single. So it was a perfect time to really just focus and be selfish on on my running. As I got a little bit older in my thirties, I moved towards a marathon and I was working with Fernando Braz um, again, trying to make the Olympic trials in the marathon. And I I realized pretty quickly that I am not a marathoner. Um, I had a hell of a time trying and I loved it. I enjoyed it and just loved That I love the hundred mile weeks. I loved being able to see what my body could do. But um, by the time I hit forty, I realized, you know, I maybe need to reel it in a little bit with this competitive, crazy running drive.
0: <laughs> what? Um, well, <laughs> raining it in is a is a relative is a relative thing, of course. Um, what uh, what 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 was your PR uh, in the marathon uh, during the time in which you were you were training uh, for it uh, in a dedicated way?
1: Um, I never got that fast. I got down to two fifty two, so I was never I never really. It, if I was running a one eighteen half, I should have been running a lot quicker in the marathon. So I knew that it really probably wasn't for me. I just wasn't a good marathoner. Hmm, but I yeah. enjoyed enjoy doing it. Um,
0: well, and, and I think, I think for most runners or for many runners, um, you know, who sort of start at the 5k distance and then sort of eventually start dabbling in 10 Ks. And then they, they realize that half marathons are a thing and they start doing that, you know, handful of half marathons. And then of course there's the marathon distance, which, um, you know, is, a uh, um, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a shiny object for, for a lot of runners. Right. Um, and, um, and, 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 many of them pursue it for you, um, after spending a couple of years, really dedicating yourself to the marathon distance, um, and maybe not, you know, maybe really not experiencing the breakthrough, like you kind of thought that, you, that, that maybe you would based on, based on some of your earlier successes, um, at that point, Uh, now that you're approaching your forties, um, what, what changes, um, what, um, you know, where, where does your focus begin to shift? Do You begin to think, um, maybe I, maybe I might want to dabble in other surfaces, or maybe I might want to fall back to some shorter distances. Um, where, where were you then in your, in your forties in terms of your running?
1: I think a couple of things changed my focus. Um, I became a mom at 41. So I had kids quite a bit later. So then I mean, obviously time constraints and just interests. I, I wanted to be home with my girls as much as I could. I had one at 41 and one at 43. So the focus was more taking care of them and just kind of running for an outlet and just to stay healthy. Um, I did try to push hard a little bit too quickly on the speed coming back from pregnancies and that we can get into that later. That's kind of where my hamstring issues started. Um, but I, I kind of returned to the track at that age because one, you can train for the track in a lot less time. And I also got into some mountain running and returned to snowshoe running at that time, just whatever time would allow. And I think I had a much healthier relationship with running. It was more something I looked forward to if I got, you know, 30 miles a weekend, that was great. So it was, I think a healthier balance at that point in my life Mm, (laughs) girls helped me with that.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So, so that's an interesting point, right? So, um, so in, in, in your twenties and thirties, um, uh, perhaps your relationship with running, um, wasn't as healthy uh, if I'm sort of reading, uh, correctly between the lines here during that period of time, during your twenties and thirties in which, um, you know, again, you were, uh, you were, you were single or at the very least you, you didn't have kids at that point. Right. Um, and so you, and you, you were, you were, you were employed in a running industry. Like, so running would seem to me that running was, you was the entirety of your existence at that point. Would you, upon reflection, as you think back to your running self, uh, in your twenties and thirties, um, was, was, was. How, how would you have categorized running? Would you have categorized it as a, as a passion, as an obsession, or as an addiction?
1: Probably a little bit of all three. Um, definitely an obsession. I think it still is. I don't think <laughs> I'll never give it up. Um, but yeah, I think a little bit of an addiction, especially when you're in that culture where you're around people when, and everybody's running and you're working on shoes and every, that's the focus of everything. So that's kind of your world and your world can get really small quickly um, if you kind of have that type A personality and that's your mindset. So I would say a little bit of all three, but definitely on the obsessive side.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and I think, um, look, I, I, I think uh, in order for elite athletes to be elite um, and to and and to capitalize on the, you know, on the gifts that they are given um, they have to take their sport to that level, to the level of obsession. Um, I mean, I, I mean, uh, you, you, you can't part-time greatness, right? <laughs> I mean, truly, if, if you want to optimize the potential that, that, that you've been given, um, uh, you, you really have to go to that level. So I, I don't necessarily see obs- obsession, uh, as a negative thing necessarily. Right. I mean, I clearly they're, there's a little bit different step when, 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 when an obsession goes to an, an addiction, in other words um, you know, you are, you're participating in the behavior um, despite the fact that it, that might be having, you know, physically devastating effects on you. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's when I think um, it, it, it can tend to cross the line. Um, well, you, 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 you mentioned that, um, um, that you, uh, you you might've pushed a little bit too hard to come back uh, or to get back to running, or at least to get back to running fast after pregnancy. Um, And you developed um, a hamstring issue uh, that became a chronic issue for you for several years. Um, What, what was going on at that time? Can you talk a little bit about that, that hamstring issue uh, that, that, that you, that you had?
1: Well, I think mainly it was a product of not doing strength training. And I had neglected strength training for 20 plus years. So I think I brought this all on myself. It was, (laughs) my hamstring was my own fault. And then especially coming back from a pregnancy, not taking the proper steps to build back that muscle strength, kind of retrain the body. And the older I get, I realize that's probably the most important thing. I I do strength training more than I run now. It, It just becomes so much more important the older you get. And I was teetering because I was running so well that I felt like I could neglect that. So that led to, it was my right hamstring just constantly chronically off and on. I would try to run through it, get treatment done on it, and think I could continue to run well on it. And I was able to for a while. Um, And then finally it just snapped my, I mean, literally the whole hamstring just pulled from the bone. And I think that was again, I brought that on myself. I didn't back off when I saw the signs. I didn't do the proper strength training and the proper rehab from pregnancy.
0: Mm. Um, and this, so we're going to, we're going to talk about what, what you call the greater Boston track club cross country <laughs> debacle. We're going to talk about that in a moment, but well, let me, let me back up for a minute. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about that period of time in which you were dealing with this, this chronic uh, hamstring issue, um, again, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, um, you had uh, you had a little bit of uh, dyskinesia. You had a little bit of uh, trouble coordinating uh, your gait and stride. Again, am I am I remembering that correctly?
1: That's dyskinesia is a perfect term for it. I would call it my loss of coordination, and I I still think it was related to the hamstring, not firing properly the neuromuscular firing was not working. I think the sciatic nerve was damaged because I had such tendinopathy in there. So I do, but that was the feeling. It was, I was telling my leg to go and it just, it was not responding. The neuromuscular coordination was not there and it needed to be retrained.
0: And Mm. Uh, Yeah. I I remember that actually quite vividly. um, Some of your posts about that um, and your experience uh, working through that, that must've been that must have been incredibly frustrating for someone who who ran strong and ran free for so many years to experience this phenomena in which their their legs just wouldn't work like an an activity of running which is almost instinctual um, became something that you, you you sort of lost the coordination and ability to do that must have been incredibly frustrating
1: it it, it really was and it was like. You know i kind of pursued every avenue to try and fix it Um, shockwave treatments um, a lot of not pt yet um, just different methodologies dry needling and i think once it finally did totally pull from the bone i think i realized it's it's basics it's just retraining the body building up the muscle first and then it's not just enough to do the pt you have to do the neuromuscular portion too retrain the body to function the way it's supposed to without forcing it kind of being in a gentle state of letting your body heal the way it's supposed to and not forcing the motions which I think took age and (laughs) wisdom to get to that point
0: Mm. Um, yeah it sort of it sort of reminds me of the expression that I like to use um, uh, and that is uh, denial is not just a river in Egypt um, right. So how, okay. <laughs> how were you able to rationalize this fairly significant issue that you were continuing to run through? How did you, how did you continue to rationalize it? How did you not come to a point in which you, you, you were like, I, I need to stop. Uh, I need to stop running. I need to get this, get this fixed. Or maybe you did that.
1: Or, uh, no, how it, did you, yeah, it, how did you work through it? I, I have unfortunately, or fortunately, a very high pain threshold. And so I I would feel pain, but I'm like, I can work through it. So I would always try and work through it. And I think that was a big negative for me, not listening to my own body and recognizing these are signs. And it's kind of at that point, like, what do you have to prove anymore? Why are you trying to do these things? Why not just back off a little? And it really took the, the full tear for me to totally reassess everything, which is you know, was probably the best thing that ever happened to me in retrospect.
0: Yeah. Um, well, um, I, you, you did a, you did a pretty good job, I think of, of hiding the, the, the struggle, the physical struggle uh, that you were going through. I, I think it was during that time period. Um, I, I saw, uh, I saw a photo of you on upper walking boss, which is a, a section of the loon mountain race. It's the last uh, in, in, Traditionally, uh, it's, it's always been part of the Loon mountain race course, but over the last couple of years, uh, this section of the course called upper walking boss has been the final kilometer of the course. Uh, and it's on a grassy, uh, sometimes not well mowed ski slope, um, uh, uh, whose grades, uh, approximate 40% grade, like almost literally it's hand over hand for a kilometer. And that's, by the way, that's at that's after having run, you know, five and a half or six miles to before you get to that final kilometer of Upper Walking Boss. I think it was during that period of time I, I saw a photo of you on Upper Walking Boss, uh, and you have a smile from ear to ear. How you you, you must be alien because uh, because it's funny. The one particular photo that I'm thinking of, um, you have this. I mean, you have a Cheshire Cat grin on your face and the 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 gentlemen plural that are behind you are they're almost their heads are down um they have they have drool or spittle coming from their mouths and uh literally they are crawling up the mountain and you look like you're out for a sunday stroll how how did, you, how did you, I think I know but how did you how did you manage how do you manage to smile on upper walking balls
1: um I'm probably just hiding things. Well, okay, <laughs> would fair. be my guess. It might have been a grimace too. Everyone always thinks I'm smiling at the end of the race, and I think it's a grimace. <laughs>
0: I'll go with well, that. <laughs> well, potato, potato, grimace, uh, smile. To me, it looks like a smile, and I, 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 I almost bet that at least part of it is. Um, the photographer behind the lens, Joe Vijay, likely called out your name. Uh, and it's, that's always a little bit of a morale boost, uh, when you're, when you're running in any race, right. Whether it's Scott Mason, uh, snapping photos uh, of you and calling out your name or, uh, or, or Joe VJ doing the same, uh, uh, sometimes that little mental lift, uh, can at least temporarily put a smile on your face, at least long enough but the photographer to get a really great, uh, photo of you. you. Um, so, so, uh, so I referenced it earlier and, uh, and you of course referenced it, but let's talk about, let's talk about what you have called the greater Boston track club cross country debacle. This was September of 2019, right? So you had been dealing with this chronic hamstring issue for what? Uh, three years or so two or three years by that point
1: it'd been about three years um... yeah
0: yeah so what so what happened um on that uh on that september day uh, at the Greater Boston Track Club Cross Country Race,
1: and I have to preface this by saying it's still one of my favorite races, and I've since gone back.
0: <laughs> to- totally <laughs> fair, yes. And I and I, I, I and I, I, I do not want to cast aspersions <laughs> on the Greater Boston Track Club Cross Country Race. It um, is an
1: excellent race. Um, so I I tore my hamstring, and I felt it um, about a mile in. It just. All of a sudden, there was like there was no more connection between my lower limb. I just I couldn't feel anything on that right side. I didn't feel any pain. I just felt like everything just ripped, and
0: and did you? Sorry did did you did you hear a pop or did you feel a pop?
1: I heard and felt, and I and I said, well, maybe it's just I don't even know what I was rationalizing. I said, well, I'm running for the team, just trying to get to the finish line, so I, I. Got to the finish line, but I couldn't drive it. There was just no function left in that leg anymore.
0: And, and it the, was it was high hamstring. It was it was underneath underneath the glute.
1: It, correct, right yeah. underneath the glute. It yeah. the, all three had torn um, right. fully. Um, so that that was yeah that was the the big debacle. In retrospect, honestly, it was like the biggest slap in the face that I probably needed to do what I needed to do to get that rehabbed is. I would not recommend that route for anybody. I would recommend doing PT and other methodologies before they try that route. But um, it's, yeah, it, it was what it was. I, um, I'm fortunate to be, I think, one of the few that have been able to come back from a, a major hamstring surgery. I, I know that not a lot of people come back from it. So I'm definitely very, very fortunate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And um, yeah. And uh, w- let's talk a little bit more about the surgery. But um, what, one one quick follow up question. Um, so you you had mentioned that um, during that three year period of time that you had received, uh, or you had you had uh, you had been trialing uh, a number of different therapeutic modalities in order to uh, mitigate. Um, the issue that you were having with that hamstring. Did did that, by the way, did that include cortisone injections during that period of time?
1: I got a cortisone injection in 2015, right before Falmouth in that hamstring. And I should have never done that because I know that weakened it. So 2015 was the very beginning, right after my daughter was born, when it really started to act up. And I would never do that again. I think that I was just so single-minded. I want to run film this year. Um, I have a street going. And
0: mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah. yeah. And I, and I, the, that line of questioning wasn't necessarily to, to connect the dots there, just it, it, more out of curiosity. And of, and of course um, you, 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 may, you, you made a really good point and you make a good point about the, the potential connection between cortisone injections and uh, weakening um, uh, weakening that, uh, that, um, that soft tissue bone connection. Um, did, uh, did, did the physician who, um, who gave you that cortisone injection? What was there any plan for you to have follow-up injections? And if so, did you, uh, did you decide against that or, or, or was it always going to be just a one-time thing?
1: It was just one time. And the physician really recommended me against it, doing it, said, I don't recommend this. And I said, well, <laughs> I really want to do this race. And it was a always meant to be a one time got and it. It was the only time. And I definitely regret doing it.
0: Yeah, got it. Um, so um, hamstring surgery, uh, what type of, of surgery did you have? If you don't mind sharing and uh, where did you have the surgery done?
1: So I had the full reconstructive with three anchors. So where they, um, they take the three different tendons and they sew it back um, right under the glute. It was open surgery and they use three anchors, dissolvable anchors, to hold it back to the bone. I went with Dr. Suzanne Miller at New England Baptist, and she's a marathoner herself and is amazing. She is very particular about who she takes in that you have to commit to her physical therapy. And she says, it's going to be six months. And it's going to be a year before you're really doing any sort of running again. She was very straight up front. This is what your protocol will be like. I'm willing to do the surgery if you're willing to commit. And she actually has a protocol that she follows. So you had to go with her physical therapist. Um, I can't say enough good things about her. You know, she said if if you follow the plan, you will run again. We will get you back. And I know there's. She had mentioned some other runners who had gone to her and had had really good success. So the the surgery was a, a big deal. It was over with pretty quickly. Is people say they can't even see the scar anymore. Um, so that wasn't the surgery itself was not a big deal. It was the rehab afterwards.
0: Mm, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, so, um, so you're, you're 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 discharged from the hospital and you begin this uh, this six month rehab journey. Um, where where did you go to rehab uh, to do your 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 PT? your physical therapy um, and uh, how often uh, were you going to physical therapy in the beginning?
1: So for the first six weeks, um, you're really just at home um, doing, you can't, um, you can't even sit down. So you're in a, a leg brace on your whatever side it is. And that, that's on 24 seven. So the only physical therapy that you're really doing is like leg slides in bed, kind of the heel taps, very, very gentle for the first six weeks. And she was very strict about that. You can't drive a car. Um, you can't sit down and go to the bathroom. Like, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, you have to commit to that six-month weird window. Um, but after that, I went with, she recommended, his name is Beth. He's at Sports Therapy in Westford. And he also worked out of, he had a Waltham office as well. So we could go to either office. So I ended up using the one in Westford, Massachusetts. They had an altered G too, so that ended up being part of the rehab down the line. But it was it was three times a week, and it was very um, very gentle at the beginning. I kept saying, "When will I be able to walk?" It was, you know, the first couple of steps walking. You have to learn to walk again. Um, I remember the first. It was about three months in when I actually could go for more than maybe a half mile walk and i I timed the mile and it took me 47 minutes to walk a mile it was just it was such a learning experience that this is like a total brand new retraining and um the plan was very well laid out so i knew what i'd be doing each week but it seemed like the gains were so tiny each week but they really built upon each other and the, the plan worked it was i i can't say enough good things about their whole program and i would recommend it to anyone if they have to go that route
0: Hmm. Did, you, um, did you have any setbacks um, during that recovery period?
1: Yes, um, quite a few setbacks. I think mentally, too, it's a little bit difficult to kind of take your go into a mindset where you think, okay, I'll be able to do all these things again. Um, the setbacks, too, after I was discharged from physical therapy And one of my good friends had said to me, whatever your surgeon told you, multiply it by three as far as a recovery timeline. I had a friend who had a glute reattachment surgery and said, if she says a year, it'll be three years. And I thought that, no, that's crazy. But that was probably the best advice I got because even after a year, I was nowhere close to anything competitive. So it it took a long, it took three years. So I feel like this past year, finally getting back to and I I still do my PT at home three times
0: a week. Hmm. Um, early on in, in the process, um, the, the rehab process, did you ever question if you'd be able to return back to running?
1: No, <laughs> I didn't let that thought enter. That was that part of my brain was shut off from thinking those thoughts. So it was, I had a hand crank for the longest time. <laughs> so I would log, <laughs> I would log time on my hand crank. So I thought, keep my upper body in great shape to pull ups, And (laughs) so I tried to focus on what I could do. Okay, so I can't do that right now. This is what we can do now.
0: Um, Where where do you think that optimism comes from? (sighs)
1: I Probably my mom, I have to say. Like she I have a very positive family. My dad's a coach. My my mom's a three-time stage four cancer survivor, just the most positive person you'd ever meet in your life. So I think just being surrounded by positive people and you know, my girls were young, they would come and help me get dressed. So I think just being surrounded with a lot of positivity and support really helps a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. There's no question about it. There's a um, there's an energy associated with positivity. Right. Right. Um, and, and, uh, what's it, the, the, the law of natural attraction, right? The, um, uh, the more positive energy that you send out into the universe, the more positive energy you get in return. Right. Um, so, so being a positive person yourself just means that positive things and experiences are, are, are going to come back, uh, going to come back toward you. Um, what, what do you think, what are some of the lessons that you learned uh, during that rehab?
1: Um, for myself, two big things. I think the first was being in a position where you have to have everything, everyone do everything for you and where you can't use your body in the way you want it to. You realize how lucky you really are because, at least for me, it was a short-term injury. I, there was light at the end of the tunnel. I would be able to do all the things I wanted again. For a lot of people, that's their everyday. This is that's that the cards they're given and they have to deal with that and mentally and physically. So just kind of a great appreciation for how lucky I, I am and was. And then just the second thing is the importance of strength training, keeping your body strong. It's even, so my kind of new model is pay to play. So I, I pay with the strength and the the weightlifting and any sort of PT to play, running's the play.
0: Um, well, you're, you're preaching to the choir now because i <laughs> i also believe um uh that that strength training is absolutely the the key and 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 i really believe and i wonder if you would agree that um strength training becomes more important the older that we get right so uh, i mean we're we're blessed that we have the ability <clears throat> to do both strength training and endurance type activities um, but if you had to choose one or the other on any particular day as we age, uh, I think making the choice to do your strength work, um, I, I, I really think and feel is the key to successful aging. And quite frankly, as, as I'm sure you would attest, um, strength training is the key to sustainability, as an endurance athlete, right? So, um, so for you to be able to enjoy the sport of running, as long as you want to enjoy it, strength training is, is, is your path forward. Don't you really believe that?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I totally believe. And I even five years ago, I didn't believe that. So I'd say anybody over the age of 30, even like it's so, it's just so for anybody, it's so important, whatever your passions are, you have to have that balance. You have to have the strong body to support the, the load that it's under.
0: Mm. Um, well, I'm, 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 I'm really glad that you, that you shared that message. I think, um, I think more, I, I really would, would, would like to see more uh, top-notch uh, elite runners Um who, who are doing strength training anyway, just be more public about that. Because I think that, I think for a lot of people that, um, uh, that, that look up to folks like yourself and, and, uh, and want to emulate, uh, your successes as a runner, um, sort of, they, I mean, they, they make the assumption that, um, you know, that, that all you are doing is running and that, and that is, I mean, and, and that very well may have been the key uh, to your success uh, in your twenties and thirties and, and, and maybe into your, uh, into your early forties, although to your point, it sort of started to catch up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'd love to see more runners who are committed and dedicated to strength as a, as an important complementary activity, just be, just be more out there with that because I think I really feel like that's an important message I mean, I can I can preach it, but at some point people people turn me off because what what have I ever accomplished? But someone like yourself, I think incredibly influential. So I'm so glad uh, that, that you shared that. I think it's really, really important. Um, so what, what what was your first race back from uh, from um, uh, hamstring surgery? Uh, what do you remember? What the race was, and what what was that experience like?
1: I do, and it was kind of interesting because COVID hit after that, so mm-hmm. there were no races, which was such a blessing in disguise. So I couldn't even be rushed into doing anything mentally that I wasn't ready for physically. So the first race was the Bedford Rotary Trail to Ales in Bedford, New Hampshire, which is a just a fun, low key trail race, and it was one of the first post COVID races. And I was just so happy to be there. I was just I smiled the whole way just couldn't care less what my time was just so happy it was just a 5k just thrilled to be able to do it
0: Were there so it was a it was a small race um were there people there that you knew uh, where it was your tribe there or was it such a small race that you didn't know anybody there
1: it was so small because it was one of the first postcode we were still wearing we wore masks for the race so I think it was you know my family was there and my girls did it we all did it so I had, I had part of my tribe, so that was
0: (laughs) for, for sure. Um, so you, you, you have said that, um, uh, the best part of running is the people that, uh, that you've met along the way for you. Um, obviously you're not going to be able to name everyone and I wouldn't (laughs) expect you to, but, (laughs) um, but as, but as you think of that, as you think of that, that statement, the best part um, Who are some people that sort of that sort of stand out to you?
1: Um, Probably the most excited was to ever meet anyone in my life was Greta White. So I met her before she passed in 1995. So that was very exciting. Um, Ed Sheeran, uh, Coach Lorna Kiplagat, Meb um, Keflezighi, meeting him at Falmouth, um, working with people like Anna Willard and Kim Nadeau for strength training. So those we become great friends. Just help. They've helped me so much, both of them. Um, Dave Dunham, we just always seem to run in the same circles. Tommy Leonard, back in the day from the Elliot. Um, Lisa Senator and a lot of Greater Lowell runners. Um, Melissa Donays, Nate Jenkins. Um, pretty much just every mountain runner there is, because they're just kick-ass human beings. I, just, I love all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's of course that's the that's the challenge when I ask a question like that because you begin to think about. Um, you begin to think about all of the people that you would say hello to, uh, when you show up to a mountain race or a trail race or a road race, uh, and you realize there just isn't enough time in the show to be able to mention everyone by name. But, but truth is, uh, whether, whether, whether you, whether you have, whether you mention them or not, um, all of the people that, uh, that you would smile at and say hello to at a race, those are part of the important people that you've met along the way is that fair to say
1: oh absolutely it's and i think i'm thinking most recently to tom and Ellen Raffio, and a lot of i've met them very recently with a lot of races they've put on and kind of what they do for the mountain running community there's there's so many people <laughs>
0: there there indeed there indeed are uh, there are a lot of, of of people that are that are connected um either directly or tangentially uh as as part of those uh, those different those different races and surfaces well speaking of of races um and surfaces um now that you're in your 50s your 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 running has uh has has begun to become a little bit more diversified in terms of <laughs> in terms of surfaces, right? So, um, talk a little bit about the different surfaces, um, the different types of races that you're doing now. You're you're not just racing on the roads exclusively now, are you? I don't
1: really run on the roads anymore at all. And not, I can. It's not that. It's I don't enjoy it as much. Um, I love. Cross-country has always been my first and foremost passion. So any cross-country surface. um, Tracks. I love a good bank track. Like you were talking about the quote earlier from Once a Runner. I just get so excited on a track. Um, The trails, too, particularly the mountain running trails. I, I love a paved road if it's up a mountain, such as a Scutney or Wachusett. But I really love a good trail mountain race. More so the uphill like a loon mountain, um, Kingman farm. That was one of my, that was one of my first trail races actually. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Any of those, any surfaces I'd say, except for pavement.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, which is sort of interesting and, and, um, and also a, a, a really common evolution, I think for, for a lot of runners who maybe, um, you know, get into the sport of running, um, by running on roads because it's, Um, it's an easy entry into the sport, you know, there's a road at the end of your driveway, right. And you can, you you literally can walk out of your front door and you can be on a road and, and you can start to run. Um, so it's a, there's a very low barrier to entry in terms of, in terms of running on the roads. Um, but at some point, right, people, people begin to hear about and discover that people run off-road sometimes um and um that's a scary thought and prep and and uh uh and proposition for people right initially like what how do i know where i'm going um what if what if there are rocks and roots um uh you know is is there going to be scary people in the woods that I'm going to need to be frightened of or or maybe less likely there are scary people and more likely scary animals that I'm going to have to to deal with? Right. And then where where do I trail run? Where do people do this? So I think interesting. I, I, I think I think there's a little bit higher barrier to entry for trail running. But, but how common is it, right, that so many road runners eventually end up on trails for you? I mean, you, you sort of started as a cross country runner, you sort of started as an off road runner. Um, But, but for you, why move back to, to, to off road running? Why is that? Why is that important to you now?
1: I think two things, the surface, I think is a lot better on an aging body, (laughs) just mixing it up with some softer surfaces and kind of the diversity of the terrain. And also just the kind of the people that you meet. It's a, it's a really small knit community. If any of the trail or mountain running scene, you see the same people at a road race. It's a lot bigger. Um, People you may would, maybe would never see again at a race, but I feel like, especially with the New England trail and mountain community. It's really close knit, so I, I like going back and seeing all those people time after time.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, and they they become part of your tribe, right? We right. we sort of talked we talked about that before. Um, so mostly off road for you now, uh, uh, trail or track or or cross country. Um, do you have a sweet spot in terms of distance? now for you what's uh what what, what's your sweet spot in terms of distance
1: my favorite's the mile it always has been I've just never been very good at it but it's it's, as you get older no one's very good at it so (laughs) so maybe that evens the playing field a little bit but I I love the mile I just there's something about that concentrate you can focus on that pain for the four laps in such a it's like your body is perfectly equipped to handle that, just that right amount of pain and get through. And it's, I I love it. I love them all. Well,
0: there's, there's clearly a challenge for, um, uh, for, for people that enjoy competing in the mile distance. There's certainly a challenge, uh, for many new England runners, uh, to get a lot of quality outside training done in the winter time, mostly because there, you know, there's a, three, four months, oftentimes here in New England, uh, in which, um, the condition of our roads is not great to be, to, it's not conducive to fast running ice right. and snow and slush. And so, um, so it, it can be a little bit of a challenge, yes. uh, right. To, 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 to put in a lot of quality running. I'm talking about if, 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 if you're training for the mile, uh, so, do you have access to an indoor track in the winter time uh, that that you can train at?
1: i I could if I wanted to. I don't I choose instead to do different higher aerobic activities such as snowshoeing or the treadmill putting it at fifteen percent incline and doing hill sprints. So a lot of more different aerobic capacity building that getting that same sensation, but not on a track and that's that' seems to be working out well, and I also feel like the older you get to the, the repetitiveness of a track can lead to injuries as well. So I, I almost think it's better, to, especially with, you can get a really good workout in on snowshoes. If you can find a good field and get some sprint work in on snowshoes, that's tough stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think as it, as it relates to the mile, right, there's, um, there's the metabolic training that's necessary for it. Um, but, but, you know your your body doesn't really know the difference between uh, a heart rate of 150 generated on a track or a heart rate of 150 generated on snowshoes, right? I mean, right. a heart rate of 150 is a heart rate of 150. It doesn't matter really the the modality. You're training that energy system, but I do think, uh, particularly as it relates to uh, sports like the mile. Uh, that there is a neuromuscular component to it right in other words you have to train the turnover yes. um, you got to train your legs to turn over quicker um, that's not necessarily always what the sport of snowshoe running looks like <laughs> right because because there are times I mean I just I'm just thinking about uh, a snowshoe run I did two days ago it was after that snowfall that we had talked about we had a we had a, probably about a foot uh, of new snow, it was powdery snow, but it was unbroken snow, and um, it was a it was a running day for me. So I grabbed my snowshoes and my dogs, and we headed to our local trail. And of course, nothing had been broken out. It was completely virgin snow. Um, and uh, you know, put my snowshoes on my Dion's, and uh, I started running. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm probably going. 18 minute miles and my heart rate is in the one forties. Uh, but, but just because of the, of the conditions, my, my turnover was really, really slow. So that, so I think, so, while well, I think you can certainly train the metabolic system with, with these other modalities. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to train the neuromuscular system, um, uh, with some of these other modalities. That's true. Um, I right? think
1: drills help with that. So, Getting somewhere, we can do some drills, even an open parking lot.
0: Yeah, good point. We're
1: getting the turnover. I,
0: yeah, times. Yeah, hundred percent yeah. agree. Um, well, uh, that conversation about uh, different surfaces uh, leads us to uh, the final part uh, of our conversation today, uh, and that is, I want to talk about the all-terrain runner series. This is a, this is a, this is a new project of yours. And uh, those of us uh, here in the New England running community, all surfaces, um, are very appreciative uh, of both you and uh, Emer O'Donoghue, uh, who is partnering with you to uh, to um, um, not reanimate because this um, this series uh, was brought back last year after a little hiatus, but. Uh, but the two of you are are taking the reins uh, uh, over, um, and um, and I want to talk a little bit about this all terrain uh, runner series. So, um, just as a little background for the uh, for the listener, um, I was I was trying to recollect um, the history of the uh, of the all terrain runner series. I'm familiar with it. I have not participated in it as a as an athlete but i have participated in it as a race director interestingly enough so i'm familiar with the with the series but it sort of lost touch with it a little bit so i i kind of went back and just did a i gave myself a little quick history lesson on it now you probably know this but for the for the listener the all-terrain runner series um, was the inspiration of eric narcissi Yes, back in 2014, okay, Eric came up with this idea of a a New England-based running series that included um, uh, representative events from the different types of running here in New England, from from track races to cross country races a trail race, a mountain race, even a snowshoe race, uh, and a road race. Um, so essentially the idea was, um, we're going to, we're going to pick one event from these different surfaces, these different types of running. And, um, I, I think, although I, I don't ever remember talking to Eric about it specifically, but, but I think, I think the intent was to, Um, to, to, to get runners to experience other types of running that maybe they obviously knew about, but you know, we're just, we're hesitant about road runners, hesitant about getting into snowshoe racing or snowshoe racers or trail racers trying a track race. Um, is that, is that your recollection, uh, Kara about, about how the all-terrain runner series started?
1: Yes, Absolutely.
0: And uh, did you, by the way, did you participate in it that first year in 2014?
1: In a few of them, yes.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, Well, in 2015, then, uh, in year two, uh, our, I say our, my event management company, Acidotic Racing, um, we hosted the Northeast Snowshoe Federation uh, Snowshoe Championship the regional championship. Uh, and our event was the snowshoe event. Interestingly enough. So that, um, uh, that was my participation. And I, I also believe that during the time in which I was, uh, co-race directing the Loon mountain race with Paul Kirsch, um, I think our Loon mountain race was the mountain representative for the all terrain runner series one year too. But, um, so held between 2014 and 2016, before it was discontinued, so it wasn't held. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Of course, 2019, 2020, 2021. There weren't a whole lot of events being held anyway because of the pandemic. But be that as it may, the series took a little bit of a hiatus before being reanimated uh, in 2022. Yeah. Right. So that leads us to this. Um, how were you approached to uh, to take the reins on this series, and um, why is this why is this a project that that you have taken on now?
1: Um, Steve Itonis had reached out to anybody who was interested. Kind of, he just didn't want to see it not be continued. And Emer and I got to talk and we both said we would love to take this over, um, mainly because we thought we could kind of bring in maybe some new blood, thinking from the perspective, we're both older. And I think a lot of the people in the past with this series were a little bit intimidated by a race that might be a little bit too long or you know, 5,000 meter on the track or a sprint on the track. So this year we really tried to make it so that it's accessible for everybody. Um, So it's the five disciplines. So trail, road, track, cross-country, mountain, like you were saying, it starts next, actually this coming weekend in Rhode Island. And the, again, we tried to pick events that would be accessible for everybody. So we picked the mile um, for the track race, Wachusett, it's a nice introductory mountain race, Kingman farm for the trail race is a really nice introductory trail race. If people have never run a trail race before, it's, for beginners, but it also is challenging enough that people who are more into trail running would love it. So that was our big goal this year was to get some new people to become interested in and maybe try a sport they've never tried. If you've never tried a trail race, give it a try. You might love it. So that was and I just got really excited about trying to bring in some new people and bring in better numbers for this series so that more people be exposed to it. And it's it's a great little community too. the, the past year the, the people who did it, you know, we all became friendly and you'd see them at the same race. So we're, we're hoping that it will really take off.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a certain esprit de corps uh, as, it, as it relates to these, uh, these series, right. These things, wh- whatever, whatever the series happens to be, whether it's a grand Prix road running series or it's a, mountain racing series uh or it's this all-terrain runner series um uh, people feel like uh like they're having a shared experience and that can that can be a really powerful phenomena um all right well um here's what i want to do i want to go through let's go through and talk a little bit about the events okay and i want to pick your brain about um, how you would prepare for these things. Okay. How you would be physically preparing for these things. Um, so that, so that the listener that's maybe, um, thinking that, Hey, that sounds kind of neat. Um, but how do I do, how do I prepare for a trail race or How do I prepare for a mountain race? Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, and maybe we can talk a little bit more specifically, uh, about the event. So, uh, I'm looking at their website uh, on the, at the website right now, and by the way, for people that are interested it's, um, uh, it's, it's it's under the new England.usatf.org. Um, they go USATF, excuse me, new England.usatf.org. Um, they can find the link to the all terrain runner series or You can just do a basic internet search like I did for All Terrain Runners Series 2023, um, and it'll bring you to the most current link. One thing to note is that there are a number of abandoned links uh, to previous uh, iterations of this series, so you want to make sure uh, that you include the year 2023 in your internet search to make sure that you are landing on the most up-to-date page, all right? fair to say? Yes. How am I doing so far? You're doing great. All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, so, um, now you mentioned next weekend. So when this, uh, this podcast is going to air, um, in a couple of weeks, so we're taping it, but it's going to air, I think two weeks from now. Um, so let's, I'm going to go through the dates. Okay. So, um, track, uh, that's, that's one of the surfaces track indoor, uh, well, actually it's not necessarily indoor. It's indoor or outdoor it depends on the time of year. Correct.
1: There is an outdoor option as well. So people have okay. a choice.
0: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's either the mile or the 1500 meter, otherwise known as the metric mile. Correct. All right. So technically, um, uh, just for the, for the listener, that's, uh, a little bit, uh, gets a little bit mixed up with, uh, English and Imperial units or metrics, um, the mile is actually 1600 meters, roughly, um, but the metric mile is 1500 meters. So we talk about mile or metric mile. It's only about 100 meters di- uh, difference. Correct? Correct. Correct. Okay. Um, so the track race, though, it's a mile. Yes. It's a mile track race. All right. So um, uh, again, when when this episode uh, is released the first race, um, um, that, that, so there's a number of different track, uh, events that you can pick from. It's not just one. Um, in fact, as I'm looking at the website, there will be, well, there are four that are listed, but you also note, um, that, um, well, there are four that are listed and those that are listed, those are the, those are going to be the only four options. Correct. At this point. Okay. So when this podcast is released, the first, um, the first race will have already happened. And that, that was, that was held on January 29th. Okay. But the next mile option, uh, for people will be February 19th. And that's at the USATF New England Indoor Championships at Harvard University. All right. Um, so, um, and so people can register, uh, uh, Kara, people can register for that event. Uh, how can they, there's a link, I guess there's a link, um, on the all terrain series website. So you can click on the link and that'll take you to eventually take you to a place where you could register online.
1: So there's a link for each of the events on the website. And there's also a link on there to just sign up for the Altra Munner series. And that's, it's just a, it's a Google doc. And that's free just to fill that in, just to so let us know that you're, you're in the race. You want to be part of it.
0: Got it. All right. So, okay. That, so that's a good point. So not only is it important, obviously, that you register for the event that you go, you want to run, um, but also make sure that you, you are uh, including your name, um, uh, uh, for, uh, for Kara and Emer, uh, that you are going to participate or that you plan to participate, uh, in the all-terrain series. Um, and then March 4th, uh, USAT, USATF New England Aloha Mile. Um, I'm assuming that's in, it's in Maui, Hawaii. No, (laughs) what's the, what's the Aloha Mile?
1: I believe it's at the track at New Balance, a new facility.
0: it is, in fact, at the track at 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 New Balance in Boston. Um, Which is beautiful. Uh, what, why beautiful. do they call it the Aloha Mile? What's the what's the story there?
1: I don't know. This is the one that Eam and I are kind of in the dark about. It's the mystery one. We haven't gotten any information about yet. So. Okay.
0: Okay, because I'm I'm sort of I'm 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 imagining like uh, like (laughs) a roast pig and maybe Lays and uh uh, you know fire dancers. That's I mean I I would be disappointed if if it didn't have a Hawaiian theme with a name like the Aloha Mile.
1: That's what I'm thinking. Okay, I can't wait to get some details on it. I'm as intrigued as you
0: are. (laughs) Okay, all right. Well, um, well, and 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 truth be told, Boston, Massachusetts is about as far away from Hawaii as you can possibly get. Okay? So that's there's some irony, there's some irony in that. I kind of love the name. Um, that's March 4th. Okay. So there are um, there are so there are three indoor options that we just talked about and then there's one outdoor mile track option and that's July 29th, USATF New England USA Track and Field New England Outdoor Championship. That's the 1500 and, uh, at least on the website right now, you say site to be announced. Uh, is that still the case that the site is still to be determined?
1: It's still to be determined. I know it was held at Gordon college last year. So there's a possibility of it Gordon college again.
0: And Gordon college is in the greater Boston area. Is that true?
1: Yes. I believe it's in Hamilton, Massachusetts.
0: Okay. Greater Boston though. I mean, for those of us yeah. that don't live in Boston, yeah, I mean, if you're in the city with all the big buildings, that's Boston, but then Boston is a pretty sprawling place, obviously, so then everything else I call Greater Boston, which includes probably 100 other little towns that would would prefer to be called by their name, but I, <laughs> I refer to that as Greater Boston. Okay, so because I live in New Hampshire, and, and anything that doesn't have very, very tall buildings, everything else is called Greater <laughs> Boston. Right? right up until just when you go over the new hampshire massachusetts line as soon as you go from uh from uh you know like uh, seabrook new hampshire or hampton new hampshire and you cross over into massachusetts that's greater boston for me um so sorry about that (laughs) that's what that's 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 what you get um uh okay so those are the those are the track options all right now let's move on to trail so the trail is another one of the surfaces um Um, once again, um,
1: tell us about that, Chris.
0: Yeah, I can actually tell you about that because I'm, I was very pleased, uh, when you uh, reached out and asked if, uh, we acidotic racing, the event management company that I own, um, if we would be interested in submitting our trail race, the Kingman farm trail race as the trail race, Representative, and of course, uh, we uh, we were very interested and very pleased that you reached out. So, our Kingman Farm uh, Trail Race is held in Madbury, New Hampshire, and Madbury, New Hampshire, is a is a small little town uh, just adjacent to Durham, New Hampshire, where the University of New Hampshire is located. It's in the southern, basically, the southern. Seacoast-ish area of New Hampshire. It's not far from Greater Boston, actually. If you think about it, if you live in Greater Boston, Madbury, New Hampshire, is just up uh, I ninety-five and uh, Route sixteen, and bang, you're right there. So our our Kingman Farm Trail Race, uh, geez, I want to say, I think we're going on a decade, at least a decade, um, that <clears throat> that we have hosted that race there uh, in Madbury. Uh, you and, and you, you made a really good point earlier when you talked about um, uh, the Kingman Farm Trail Race in particular. As uh, and well, you it was your first trail race.
1: It was, and it and I wasn't scared because I was so afraid it would be really technical, and it was very enjoyable. Of course, there's some roots and rocks, and yeah. it, was, it had a really. Um, hometown feel with the baked goods. And it, it's just a really good feel good race.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And we, and I'm really glad, uh, I'm glad that you, uh, that, that you had that experience because that's uh, that's sort of exactly what we're going for there. Um, uh, it is typically a smaller event from a participation standpoint. I mean, I mean we are we're, we're actually a little, we're somewhat limited in terms of participants just based on the parking Uh, We we uh, we park across the street at Moherment Elementary School, the little elementary school just across the street from the Madbury Town Hall. Uh, They are very kind and generous and allow us to use their parking lot. Um, But it's a it's a fairly small little elementary school because the area is not that big. Um, So we're somewhat limited, which means uh, I mean, this is a race in which it's maybe 100 people, maybe 120 people tops. Um, it's difficult for us to really have any more than that. So, so it really does have a small hometown, low key trail racing vibe to it. There's not a lot of bells and whistles. Um, it's an old sort of old school show up, lace them up. Uh, and when the whistle blows, you go run in the woods for Three and a half ish miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, people always laugh when I say the distance or the distance of the race is three and a half ish miles. But like, what's where's the ish come from? The ish is, comes from I, I have a GPS unit, uh, a GPS device that I use uh, to measure the course, but uh, you know, all the rest of you, uh, the hundred of you standing in front of me with GPS devices on your wrist will tell me that you got a different distance. So it's, <laughs> we, we don't use a wheel like they would in a road race, right? To certify the course that it's a very specific distance. It's always ish, right? So it's three and a half ish miles, you may run 3.8. You might run 3.3. You're all running the same course. You're just going to get a different distance. Suffice to say, nobody's going to be out there for 10 miles. Let's, let's, let's just say that, mm-hmm. um, but it's about a three and a half mile race. Um, um it includes a combination of what, 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 what we call two track or double track sometimes referred to as carriage roads. These are typically like, uh, old logging roads um they're probably seven eight nine feet wide maybe um and and there's any number of those uh those carriage roads um that sort of wind their way through the through the property which by the way the property um uh in in which the the course uh is uh runs through is a combination of land owned by the university of New Hampshire and land owned by the town of Madbury. We avoid any private land, uh, owners property. There is private land owner property there. So if you showed up to take a walk with your dogs and kids and you walked on the trails, you wouldn't know it, but you, you might be walking on Madbury, Madbury town of Madbury property, University of New Hampshire property and then private property. It's all, it's all public access use, but generally speaking um, or very specifically, we are on um, UNH property and town of Madbury property. So two track or carriage road in which the surface is very runnable. Now technical is, is, is a term that's often associated with trail running. Talk about technical trails. And um, of course that's, that's always, it's always subject to interpretation, right? Like my, my definition of technical as somebody runs trails all the time, may be different from someone who's never run trail. So I, I try to hesitate to use the term. It's, I, I don't always, I don't always succeed in this, but I, I try to avoid using the description of it's technical or it's not technical or it's mildly technical or it's moderately technical or it's lightly technical just because it's, um, it's, it's so much based on the, uh, on the, on the user's experience. Um, but, but, um, um, very lightly rocks and roots, um, pretty good surface to run on. And then there is some very short sections of single track, which, um, which is a trail that narrows into just one path wide enough for usually just one runner to be running on. That's what we call single track um um so sort of a combination and this that that single track you know maybe has some rocks and roots but it's not it's not so much that it um uh, that it becomes cumbersome uh, unduly cumbersome i mean wouldn't you agree that kind of part of the fun of trail running is the fact that it's, it's, you gotta be paying attention a little bit. Absolutely. That's the whole fun of it. (laughs) It's, it's the whole fun of it until at the end of the race and you're really tired and you don't pick up your feet and you stub your toe in a root and you face plant right before the finish line. So it's all (laughs) fun until then, but, um, but that's all, that is all part of it too. Um, So, um, so that's the deal with our, our Kingman farm trail race. Uh, that race, by the way, is uh, Saturday, July 29th. Um, the information about that trail race uh, can be found through the link um, that um, that Kara provided on the All Terrain Runner Series uh, uh, webpage. Uh, but folks can also find out more information, including a direct link to our registration. Uh, by visiting our website at acidoticracing.com and uh, clicking on our Kingman Farm Trail Race event. The last thing that I'll say about that is that um, we are very proud that that event uh, benefits in part the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism. Um, my co-race directors, Tim and Janine Lindsay, um, they, um, their youngest, uh, Cameron, um, uh, is autistic and, um, uh, and, uh, they, uh, the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism is a, it's a, it's a very, it's a very special cause for them, um, because of their, because of their son Cameron. So part of the proceeds of, of that event, uh, will go to the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism. All right. So that's the trail race road race. August 13th. That's a Sunday. The Bobby Doyle five miler. And I, I've heard of that. That's a, that race is a pretty big deal. That's in Narragansett, Rhode Island.
1: Yes. And I know they, it's a very competitive field. I know it's a very fast course. It's one, five. it's one of the races I have not done. Emer has, um, loves it. A great after party. It's a fun atmosphere. Um, we thought five miles, two is a manageable distance for people too. And again, it's, it's fairly flat. It's built as a fast course. Of course it's August. So you, you never know what the day could bring, but it, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. So in th- that, plus it gets Rhode Island in there too. It is all terrain, New England all terrain series. So we wanted to get some of the other States in there too.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um... Each,
1: each afterwards.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah. Well, Rhode Island is a, Rhode Island is a wonderful state, uh, to visit. Um, I, I I'm sure you've done a little bit of racing there. I've done a little bit of racing in Rhode Island. Um, although it's, uh, although it's the smallest of the new England States, uh, it has a very robust, uh, running community, um, and, uh, a very proud running community. And, um, they have some great Events that they host uh, in Rhode Island. Um, so that's cool. I like the idea um, that Rhode Island is represented. Uh, okay, mountain. Um, the mountain race um, is May 27th. That's a Saturday. And that's the Wachusett Mountain Race. The Wachusett Mountain Race is part of the USATF New England Mountain Circuit. Um, the Wachusett Mountain Race, um, I'm going to have you speak to a little bit. Is one of those mountain races that you talked about? That um, well, it used to be a combination of pavement and ski slope. When I did it many years ago, um, and maybe it's the same way now. It it uh, it's an, it was it was historically well, at least when I did it, it was an up down race. So you you ran to the the very top um, on on the auto road on the paved road. And then you started back down um, to finish the race on pavement. And then you bounced off and, and finished uh, on the ski slope. But, but the all-terrain runners series um, representative for mountain is just the uphill only part of the race. Is that true?
1: That's correct. So the course is still the same. There is the three miles uphill and then the three miles down. You can, we will only score your time at the top. So you have the option for those who want to run back down and you will access ski slopes down near the bottom. So it's a really pretty trail near the end. So you can get in about a 10K if you want to do the up and down portion. So it, we felt like that would include everybody, people who just want to do the uphill, people who want to do both. A lot of people do both and you get the king of the hill prize at the top. If you, there's a little cash prize for some of the, the fast people. Um, but it's three miles uphill and then you can stop at the top if you'd like, or you can continue back down and your score would count at the bottom for the race, but not for the all train runner series, your score at the top, your time at the top.
0: Right. Um, yes. And for, um, and so the, just again, for clarification, the, 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 the three mile uphill, um, uh, portion of the race is pavement. It's an, it's an auto road, correct? Yes.
1: It's an auto road. It's paved.
0: Right. And, um, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't start immediately up the auto road, right? There's a mile or so that's, uh, I believe it's a net gain. You're, you're climbing a little bit, but there's a, isn't there a mile or so, um, on, um, on the road, so to speak, before you take that right-hand turn and begin to climb up to the top?
1: Yes. It's actually on mile road. So you run your first mile on mile road, which is actually the steepest portion of the course. Then you turn into the park. So after like 1.2 miles, you turn into the park and then it kind of rolls a little bit. So the, the most challenging part is really the very first mile kind of rolls a little bit in the middle. There's no real downhills. It's pretty much all uphill. And then the last little section, there's some steepness, but it's a very, it's a very doable first mountain race experience for people. It's, it's, it's not 40% grade. It's, (laughs) it's a nice experience.
0: Yeah. Um, totally agree. Um, having, having done it myself, um, a handful of times and it is hosted by, uh, is it hosted by CMS central mass striders?
1: They do a great job with it. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. The central mass striders, they are a Uh, One of the running clubs here in New England, obviously um, originally uh, based in central Massachusetts, CMS, Central Mass Striders. Um, And this is their uh, their event, um, their uh, mountain event that they host. Um, Okay, super cool. And then. And then the series wraps up with, uh, well, with your favorite surface or one of your favorite surfaces. Um, Maybe they're all your favorite surfaces, but your where it all began for you, cross country on November 6th. That's Sunday. That's the USATF New England uh, cross country championships, presumably, um, at historic Franklin Park in Boston, Massachusetts. Tell us about that.
1: So we tried to overlap so that if people were choosing to do the the New England cross country series or the New England road series. There was one from each discipline so they wouldn't have to double up on the series and kind of double dip in their own, in each discipline. So Franklin Park, the, the world cross country championships were held there in 1992. It's just, when you think a quintessential cross country course, that's it. It's a great spectator course. There's the famous Spirit Cage Hill, which um, if you've seen, what was the movie there? There's a, there's a movie that was k Hill is part of it. The Departed?
0: Okay. There's
1: a famous scene from The Departed that's Bearcat Hill in Franklin Park. Um, so the the women's race goes up at two times for the 6K. And depending on masters are open for the men, you either go up at um, three times or I believe it's four times. So either the wow. 8K or the 10K. But it's a, it's just such a fun experience. They have youth races to start the day. So it's kind of, you can bring your whole family, and just kind of celebrate fall in New England at, at one of my favorite venues around. It's just a great, great place to race.
0: Yeah, very, very cool. And, and um, uh, aptly put, it is, it is, it, it is an iconic venue. Um, uh, and it's an, it's an iconic race. If you're, if you're a New England runner, you um, you, you really need to be there and, and race there at least one time. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to experience. Um, well, so let's finish with this. Um, so a, a, as we sort of went through that, um, you know, we're talking about this series, well, really running from, you know, January, uh, through November, uh, that's 11 months or so. Um, that's a challenge, right? That the, I mean, it's, 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 it's a good thing, obviously, that the races aren't on, you know, on back to back to back to back weekends. Um, that's a good thing that the, that the events are spread out. The challenge of course, is that the events are spread out. right? So, 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 so l- l- let me get this from you then. Um, uh, how would you suggest somebody go about, um, preparing i won't say training for it because it's kind of hard to be training for an 11 month period of time but um but if someone was interested uh in doing all five of these disciplines track trail road mountain cross country from you know this time of year all the way through november how would how would you structure the the preparation for that how how do people appropriately focus uh and make sure that they're physically prepared for these things
1: to kind of focus on season, much as you would in high school or college, if you were following a typical running season. So in the winter, focus on perhaps a little indoor, getting some speed work in. As you're approaching the spring, kind of working on some hill work. Some tr- the weather is nice outside. Get on some spring trails to get ready for the trail race. To get ready for Kingman Farm, work on some. You could double dip and get ready for a trail race and a mountain race by getting on some hilly terrains, if, if possible. You're getting out there on some nice hilly trails to get ready for the mountain race. And then I I, I feel like probably the easiest for people to cross off training-wise is the five-miler, the Bobby Doyle. So just you can kind of ride your, your spring and summer training. If you're training for a, a fall marathon, you're probably in decent shape to get on the roads at the end of August, the beginning of August. And then cross-country season, getting in a, a cross-country race or two if you can before the the six or at least getting on some surfaces to train Mm. my customary service. That's trail. It can be, it's this very similar.
0: Yeah. Um, so would you say that it's fair to say that, um, that, that people don't necessarily have to specifically be training for these things. In other words, if, if I've got a fall marathon, that's really my a race, um, uh, you know, that, and that training probably won't kick off until, you know, late summer. Um, uh, do you, do you think it's possible for someone to, to dabble in these different disciplines while at the same time continuing to train for their A-race? Because what I'm thinking is, you know, how runners get, right? They're like, well, I've got, I've, I'm, 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 I'm running the Bay state marathon in the fall. I, I, I can't run on a trail because I'm running a road marathon. Um, do you think it's possible for people to, um, to dabble in the all terrain series while at the same time, you know, preparing for their big a race?
1: Absolutely. I think it should just be a supplement. It's and I think it's healthy anyways, once a week to maybe get off-road and and try the trail, kind of give your your legs a break from the pounding. So I think they can definitely dabble and explore some of the other avenues and kind of using it as just a, something fun to do along the way. You don't have to make it your A race to, to run up a mountain or to do a trail race. Just make that kind of part of the experience of your training, something different to dabble, and as you said so well.
0: Mm. Experience. Um, yeah, well, I, I, well, I think, I think you and Emer were really smart with the, with the events that you picked because, um, they, they don't take a lot of really focused preparation, right? In other words, you know, runner runners that are, that are reasonably fit and healthy, uh, can jump in on any of these things. Right. And, and again, to your point, um, most folks that participate in the series, Uh, probably won't be treating all of these events as their a event. It's truly, it's truly an opportunity to do something new, to do something different. And um, I mean, you, you, you never know. And that's a a big reason why we love to host the Kingman farm trail race. You never know when a first timer is going to show up at your event, first time trail runner and fall in love with the sport, not because of what we did just because of, Because that they, because they took the leap um, because they got a little bit out of their comfort zone. Right. And, uh, uh, I mean, you never know, right. What, 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 what's going to happen. Um, I mean, that sort of happened with you at the Kingman farm trail race.
1: I loved it. I thought, you know, I, I was very nervous about it. And then once I got there, I said, what well, it's a great atmosphere. The people are so friendly. The race was, it was just great fun. You, you kind of throw your watch out the window. You don't care about the time you just, you know, focus on a hard effort and enjoy the experience.
0: Uh, yeah. And I, I really think that's the, that's the spirit, uh, of this all, all terrain runner series. Um, well, I mentioned the website again, new England, uh, new England uh, newengland.usatf.org, And I'll also include uh, a link, uh, on the, on the show notes too, for folks. Um, are there any social media, uh, pages or outlets for this all terrain series? Is there any other way that people can stay up to date with what's going on in the series?
1: Um, by following USATF New England on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, so those are three venues they promoted.
0: Okay, good. And I will share. I will share those links as well. Um, anything else that you wanted to talk about, uh, mention about the All Terrain Runner Series that I failed to mention?
1: I think you should run it, Chris. <laughs>
0: That's it. (laughs) That wasn't, that wasn't what I thought you were going (laughs) to ask. Okay. All right. Challenge, challenge has been, challenge has been submitted. I can't tell you, honestly, I can't tell you the last time that I, I, I purposefully ran on pavement um, and, uh, so therefore I can't tell you the last time that I raced on pavement. Um, but five miles is, uh, that's, that's not, that's not too long. I suppose I could probably, I could probably do that.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty um, here.
0: <laughs> and, uh, I've always wanted to, to, race at Franklin Park anyway. Okay. Well, I, I am, I am super intrigued um, folks can, uh, follow along, uh, on my social media outlets, uh, to see if I actually, uh, took up, uh, Kara's uh, challenge. We shall see. Stay tuned for that. Okay. I want to finish with this. It's a part of my show that I like to call three random questions. Um, so I, I submitted to you a number of questions before the show, just to let you know, kind of what I was going to ask you, but I did not give you these three questions Uh-oh. <laughs> okay? Um, because I kind of like, I kind of like to see people think uh, on their feet. Um, and it's, it's fun to get people's reaction to some of these questions that I ask. All right. So last part of the show is called three random questions. I'm going to ask you three random questions and uh, you just wing it. Just give me your, your best off the top of your head answer. Okay. You ready?
1: Okay.
0: All right, here you go. Uh, first random question. And actually I had to change the first random question because you, you actually inadvertently already answered this first random question in the intro. So I'm going to ask it a little different way. Um, What's your favorite movie about running?
1: Chariots of fire.
0: Chariots of fire. Okay. Well, that's pretty classic. Um, That's pretty classic. Okay. Well, and the original, the original uh, question was what's your favorite book on running? And of course, you, <laughs> you you answered that unsolicited uh, yeah, in the very the beginning.
1: Is a close second.
0: <laughs> good okay. Good point. Um, well, chariots of fire, classic running movie. Um, okay, great. Second random question for you. Um, what's the best piece of advice uh, on running uh, that you ever read or were given?
1: Um. Probably from my college coach, make it a lifelong sport and do the habits now to make sure you make it a lifelong sport.
0: Hmm. Um, I like that. Um, Follow-up question to that. Um, What is your recollection of what some of those habits were at that time?
1: We we would swim a couple of times a week and we actually strength train, which in the late 80s, 90s, there wasn't a lot of that in programs. I wish I had continued his advice after college, but I think that was very, very good and very important advice.
0: Mm. Um, it's kind of like the idea of um, um, focusing on the little things.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: right. Because if, um, um, you know, the, if you do enough of the little things, it can make a really big difference.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, but the little things aren't necessarily the fun and sexy things to do, right? The fun and sexy thing to do is go run and to go run fast. Um, but truth is, uh, if you want to run fast for a really long time, meaning, you know, years and decades and throughout the entirety of your, of your life, um, it really is the little things, right, mm-hmm. that, that equate to sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, last question, uh, I have for you. Um, actually this is, uh, quite recently become my favorite question to ask endurance athletes. Um, cause I, 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 get a host of different reactions to this question. It's really, really fascinating. Um, you're hosting a group run and you can invite three VIPs. Okay. Now you can assume that any VIP that you would invite is a runner, even if you don't know that to be true. Assume that anyone that you would think of is a runner. Okay. So this doesn't, this isn't necessarily just runners, it could be anybody. Now, these guests may be known to you, or they may be someone that you have never met.
1: Can they be fictional?
0: Hang on, you're getting ahead of me. <laughs> very eager.
1: <laughs> they
0: can be, this is, the, this, is the, this is the next part of the question. They can be real people, or they can be fictional, meaning a cartoon, movie, or book character. They can be from the present, or they can be from any time in the past or future. They can even be you from the past, or you from the future joining this group run. So 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 Kara, who are your three special guests?
1: Okay, so eleven from Stranger Things is coming with me.
0: Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> hang on. I gotta make sure I understand some of these right re- eleven from Str- okay, so Stranger Things is a is a is a is a is a series, a Netflix series, I think. Yes. Okay, I've not seen it, but 11, 11 is a character from stranger things. Yes.
1: From stranger things.
0: Okay. 11. All right. So, so people that, that, that watch the series that are much hipper than I am, will will understand that reference. Okay. Thank you. 11 from stranger things. That is, that is guest number one.
1: Um, so Quentin Cassidy,
0: Quentin Cassidy, of course, the fictional character, the, uh, the protagonist, uh, from the book once a runner.
1: Um, and probably Mahatma Gandhi, just to kind of pick his brain on things. Those would be my three.
0: Fascinating. <laughs> I love how this goes sometimes. Uh, a, a, a fascinating list of characters. Um, that's actually the first time that that I've had uh, a, 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 a television character uh, and a, a character from a book. Um, uh, and, of course, Gandhi uh, makes his first appearance uh, in my podcast. So that's not an awful thing at all. Um, well
1: with discipline. He would be great at
0: the run. Uh, (laughs) Um, yeah. I mean, can, can you imagine your, your, your friends would probably chew his ear off? I'm sure. Right. (laughs) Um, that is, that is, that's phenomenal. Um, uh, Kara, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be part of it. And thank you for letting me share my story. I appreciate it, Chris.
0: Mahatma Gandhi is quoted as saying, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. Kara most certainly did not wave the white flag in 2019 despite that devastating injury. And by our own admission, the injury, surgery, and recovery necessitated she shifted her focus and attention to the little things that make running as a lifetime pursuit possible. Well, once again, you've been listening to the eat half walk double podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please circle back to the homepage and click the follow or subscribe button to stay up to date with all the new content. And of course, if you really enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your friends. I'll be posting some supporting media on my Twitter account at Coach Chris J. Dunn and the show's Facebook page at Eat Half, Walk Double. So please make sure to check that out. And lastly, remember, the secret to living well and longer is to eat half, walk double, laugh triple, and love without measure. Until next time.